J. C. Ryle, A Brief Biography John Charles Ryle was born into a wealthy, affluent, socially elite family on May 10, 1816. The first-born son of John Ryle, a banker, and his wife Susanna Worksworth Ryle. As the first-born, John lived a privileged life and was set to inherit all of his father's estate and pursue a career in Parliament. His future promised to be planned and comfortable, with no material needs. J. C. Ryle attended a private school and then earned academic scholarships to Eton, 1828, and the University of Oxford, 1834, but he excelled in sports. He particularly made his mark in rowing and cricket. Though his pursuit of sports was short-lived, he claimed that they gave him leadership gifts. It gave me a power of commanding, managing, organizing, and directing, seeing through men's capabilities and using every man in the post to which he was best suited, bearing and forbearing, keeping men around me in good temper, which I have found of infinite use on lots of occasions in life, though in very different matters. In 1837, before graduation, Ryle contracted a serious chest infection, which caused him to turn to the Bible and prayer for the first time in over fourteen years. One Sunday he entered church late as Ephesians 2.8 was being read, slowly, phrase by phrase. John felt the Lord was speaking to him personally, and he claims to have been converted at that moment through the Word without any commentary or sermon. His biographer wrote, He came under conviction, was converted, and from that moment to the last recorded syllable of this life, no doubt ever lingered in John's mind that the Word of God was living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. After graduation from Oxford, John went to London to study law for his career in politics, but in 1841 his father's bank crashed. That was the end of the career in politics, for he had no funding to continue. In later years, John wrote, We got up one summer's morning with all the world before us as usual, and went to bed that same night completely and entirely ruined. The immediate consequences were bitter and painful in the extreme, and humiliating to the utmost degree. And at another time, he said, The plain fact was, there was no one of the family whom it touched more than it did me. My father and mother were no longer young and in the downhill of life. My brothers and sisters, of course, never expected to live at Henbury, the family home, and naturally never thought of it as their house after a certain time. I, on the contrary, as the eldest son, twenty-five, with all the world before me, lost everything and saw the whole future of my life turned upside down and thrown into confusion. After this financial ruin from abundance, Ryle was a commoner, all in a day. For the first time in his life he needed a job. His education qualified him for the clergy, so with his Oxford degree he was ordained and entered the ministry of the Church of England. He proceeded in a totally different direction with his first assignment in the ministry at Exbury in Hampshire, but it was a rural area riddled with disease. His recurring lung infection made a difficult couple of years until he was transferred to St. Thomas in Winchester. With his commanding presence, passionately held principles, and warm disposition, 
John's congregation grew so large and strong it needed different accommodations. Ryle accepted a position at that time in Helmington, Suffolk, where he had much time to read theologians like Wesley, Bunyan, Knox, Calvin, and Luther. He was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, Dwight Moody, George Muller, and Hudson Taylor. He lived in the age of Dickens, Darwin, and the American Civil War. All of these influenced Ryle's understanding and theology. His writing career began from the tragedy of the Great Yarmouth Suspension Bridge. On May 9, 1845, a large crowd gathered for the official grand opening festivities, but the bridge collapsed and more than a hundred people plunged into the water and drowned. The incident shocked the whole country, but it led Ryle to write his first tract. He spoke of life's uncertainties and God's sure provision of salvation through Jesus Christ. Thousands of copies were sold. That same year he married Matilda Plumptree, but she died after only two years, leaving him with an infant daughter. In 1850 he married Jessie Walker, but she had a lingering sickness, which caused Ryle to care for her and their growing family, three sons and another daughter, for ten years until she died. In 1861 he was transferred to Stradbroke, Suffolk, where he married Henrietta Clowes. Stradbroke, Suffolk, was Ryle's last parish, and he gained a reputation for his straightforward preaching and evangelism. Besides his traveling and preaching, he spent time writing. He wrote more than three hundred pamphlets, tracts, and books. His books include Expository Thoughts on the Gospels, seven volumes, 1856-1869, Principles for Churchmen, 1884, Home Truths, Knots Untied, Old Paths, and Holiness. His Christian Leaders of the Eighteenth Century, 1869, is described as having short, pithy sentences, compelling logic, and penetrating insight into spiritual power. This seems to be the case with most of his writing, as he preached and wrote with five main guidelines. 1. Have a clear view of the subject. 2. Use simple words. 3. Use a simple style of composition. 4. Be direct. and 5. Use plenty of anecdotes and illustrations. In all of his success with writing, he used the royalties to pay his father's debts. He may have felt indebted to that financial ruin, for he said, I have not the least doubts it was all for the best. If I had not been ruined, I should never have been a clergyman, never preached a sermon, or written a tract or book. In spite of all of the trials that Ryle experienced financial ruin, loss of three wives, his own poor health, he learned several life lessons. First, care and tend to your own family. Second, swim against the tide when you need to. He was evangelical before it was popular, and he held to principles of Scripture justification by faith alone, substitutionary atonement, the Trinity, and preaching. Third, model Christian attitudes toward your opponents. Fourth, learn and understand church history.
Important benefits come from past generations. Fifth, serve in old age, die in the harness. And sixth, persevere through your trials. These were life principles that Ryle learned as he lived his life, as he preached, as he wrote, and as he spread the gospel. He was forever a supporter of evangelism and a critic of ritualism. J. C. Ryle was recommended by Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli to be Bishop of Liverpool in 1880, where he then worked to build churches and mission halls to reach the whole city. He retired in 1900 at the age of 83 and died later that year. His successor described him as a man of granite with a heart of a child. G. C. B. Davies said, A commanding presence and fearless advocacy of his principles were combined with a kind and understanding attitude in his personal relationships.